You are listening to Time to Revive. This show is designed to help you get the confidence to share your faith in everyday life. The music in the background is Revival from Third Day. This is Angie. I'm your host for today, and I've got Mr. Mark Bird in the studio with me. He is with Revive Ohio. Hey, Angie, how's it going today? Fantastic. You know why? Because we are in the Word of God, and today we're going to be talking about transformed lives. Nobody's testimony goes to waste, not yours, not mine. And we're going to show that through scripture. Today, we're going to be talking about Saul. (laughs) I love this story. (laughs) We are going to start it off in Acts chapter nine. Go ahead and take it away, Mark. Yeah. And everybody thinks of the apostle Paul. Which is a wonderful guy. Yep. Did a lot for the name of Jesus. He did. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. And because of that, everybody just thinks of Paul, right? They don't necessarily know that he was called Saul before that. Well, there was more than it just being called Saul. Right. He was a Roman citizen and he had a very specific job. And he called himself the Pharisee of Pharisees. Yes, the worst of the worst. Yes. So let's start out in verse one. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that if he found any who were in the way, which is the Christians, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can we stop there? Because let's just talk about before he has this amazing encounter on Damascus. (laughs) His heart was black. It was. It was like, that was like the Grinch times a hundred. Because he was breathing threats and murderous actions against the Lord's disciples. Yes. And so much that he actually took it upon himself to go and get these letters of recommendation so that any Christians that he found, whether it was a man or a woman, that he wanted to bring them back to Jerusalem for persecution. His heart was that hard. Wow. And I always wondered to myself what made him hate Jesus and his disciples so much. And the amazing thing to me, Angie, was that he thought he was doing a service to God. Yeah, absolutely. He knew the scriptures inside and out. He He called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew his Bible. He had enough rank. He had enough understanding of scholarly things that he was trained in that. Right. And he thought he was serving the Lord Mm -hmm. by extinguishing these quote unquote Christians. Now, what I love about God is when we say, but God, and then we have an encounter. So let's talk about, let's start. We just talked about, he's taking a journey now that he's got these letters. He's going to Damascus, just like he planned. And all of a sudden he is met with this light and a voice coming at him that says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting? Go ahead in verse five. Yeah, and we'll pick up at verse five. He said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Okay, that's got to freak you out, right? <laughs> that totally has to get their attention. Like, how do I hear a voice and there's no other person standing there? <laughs> right. Something's going on. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But when they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. Wow. So he was definitely encountered and he was definitely stunned and he was definitely changed. Yeah. He went it sounds like he went into a deep depression. Yes. Because all of a sudden he's blind. The thing that I love the most in this scripture passage is the fact that Jesus said, you're persecuting me. So in other words, he's saying you are persecuting them, but you're actually persecuting me. Well, God, Jesus said we are one with him. Yes. So it is. And that's a, that's a whole sermon in itself in in backing up the scriptures where he says we are one. Right. Right. Mm. I love that. And so what an attention getting thing that why are you persecuting me? Uh, the Lord says to Paul. And of course, he's like stunned. He's blind. He's encountered. He is his attention is full <laughs> right now. Right. Right. So with this visitation from the Lord, he has his full undivided attention. And to me, it brings new life to, I once was blind, but now I see. Amen. It right? really does to me. And so what I think is happening here is the Lord removed his sight and basically is saying, when you have your sight restored, you are going to see through my eyes now. Wow. And is that not the transformation that we all need to have, Angie? Yeah. And I don't know too many people who have drastic Changes like this, transformations, but they do happen. Amen. They do. When you encounter the Lord, and I say this all the time, people say, well, I, I never had a quote unquote Damascus Road experience, but when you encounter the Lord, he is ready to change your eternity, your whole destination, your whole world. And so when did you encounter Christ? Mm. And I say, seek that. Because that's what the Lord says, seek me. Mine wasn't anything like Damascus, but it was me hearing the gospel message and walking before I even knew what was going on. Mm. And then later knowing I had just stepped into something beautiful, but I couldn't even find words for it. But I was excited and I was changed from right. that moment on. Now, all my bad habits had to change, but I was so different just in the fact that all of a sudden I was filled with hope. Now, Paul's not there yet. Right. Paul, who is known as Saul, still, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but Saul is still sitting three days without sight. He's not eating or drinking. He is just a mess. He's a pile of humility sitting in the middle of the floor. Yeah. And it'd be safe to say he is stunned. Mm -hmm. And it took him three days to recover from that stunning, if you will. And now the Lord says, now that I have your attention, sit down here, right? And I'm going to begin to teach you. So this encounter, this transformation starts with an abrupt, in Saul's case here, an abrupt interruption, if you will. And all of a sudden the Lord is saying, hmm, I need you. Now, he doesn't realize this yet because, again, Saul's thinking he's serving God by killing these Christians. He thinks he's doing a service to God. And the Lord says, no, 
you're actually persecuting me, but I need you to change the way you're looking at this. And he removed his sight to do that. So we won't go into the full transformation because you can continue to read and hear right. about how his life was changed and how he goes on and writes two thirds of the Bible. I want to talk just really quickly before we're done. You know, Paul, before he became this new person, he watched Christians. It is counted earlier that he actually watched Stephen dying. He did. And he was, he can remember watching the beautiful look on his face. Right. Knowing that he was meeting Jesus, his savior. You know, we have people in our lives that speak to us or they, there's just something about a situation or a person that touches us. We know something about Jesus was in that moment. We couldn't put our finger on it at the moment. I have a similar story that I want to share. I remember when I was in the service and we were stationed in Iwakuni, Japan. And I remember getting ready with my friends to go out to the bars for the night because this was my pre-Jesus days. Right. And I saw people that I worked with, they were all sitting on the step of the dorms and they were singing worship songs. Hmm. And you know, I've always been drawn to music even before I was in radio. Amen. And I watched them singing songs. I knew they were songs about God and something in me wanted that, but I just kept on going. Right. Yes. That's got to be kind of how it happened for Paul. When he saw Stephen, he was drawn to something about that situation, which he counts later. He talks about later how it really transformed his life. It was part of his transformation. Yeah, and it's interesting, uh, Angie, that story you recounted about um, the stoning of Stephen and Saul actually held their cloaks. Yeah. Those that were stoning Stephen. So like, not only was he in charge of them and he didn't do it himself. No, right? no, they but never do. He held their cloaks while they threw the stones. Wow. Well, lives transformed. The whole reason we're talking about this today is because we have all had some sort of encounter with Christ. We have had a transformation of our own and it is our testimony. Yes. And what do you do with your testimony? You tell people, right? And that's what Saul did when he went off and started telling people everywhere, which you'll continue to read as you go through the book of Acts. He went off and he started telling the story of Jesus to everybody, Greeks, Romans. He was all over Asia. I mean, he was just doing it all. He was. And you mentioned that, Angie, and immediately my mind went, what do we do with that testimony? And actually came right to Revelation 12, where Jesus said, and they overcame the devil, him, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's what we do with our testimony. Yeah, it helps other people. We overcome Satan. I love it. Yeah. And so that's why we're talking about these lives that are transformed. And we're going to continue talking about other lives in the Bible that have been transformed. I would encourage you to continue to read in Acts chapter nine, understand where Saul came from and continue reading. As you get into God's word, you'll know that he starts calling himself Paul or they start calling him Paul. And he goes on to do some miraculous things and really bringing a lot of people to the Lord. Now we're going to turn it over. We're going to start our testimony. This is Mark Bird with Time to Revive. And I'm sitting and talking with Jim Reynolds. Jim Reynolds is a team member of Time to Revive and on the Revive Ohio State team as a team member and a missionary with me. And Jim, welcome to the program today. 
Well, thank you. It's uh, great to be here with you, Mark. Jim, there was another ministry that was started up in Dark County there where you and I both met Revive for the first time. And you're a part of, an intricate part of, and actually the leader of, a ministry called Courtside Ministries that continues to pray for people and reach out to people and talk to them with a regular rhythm set up every week. Jim, can you tell us just a little bit about that ministry? Absolutely. So like you said, it's called Courtside Ministries. And what we do is I set up in front of the courthouses with a table, with a tablecloth, with a a pure, simple message of how can I pray for you today? Or I think it says need prayer. And we dedicate Bibles, give away Bibles away. We have resources like uh, daily breads and uh, uh, different resources on different topics. Uh, We offer discipleship. And it's great to see the body of Christ actively going out where the needs are. It gives them a place where they can serve because, quite frankly, right in front of the courthouse is where all the needs are. There's a lot of needs there and there's a lot of darkness. So if anyone ever wants to uh, find a place where they can plug in and be a very effective tool, Courtside Ministries is a a great place that they can serve weekly and just uh, let the people in your community know that they're loved and cared about and to see the love of Christ in action. Yeah. So Jim, talk just a minute about uh, the transition that you went from applying as a missionary, as a team member to Time to Revive, and then how that kind of morphed into Courtside Ministry and how they coexist really. Wow. It's uh it's been a crazy journey, you know. So like I shared in the beginning, the Lord was calling me into ministry, but I didn't know what that looked like. He brought Time to Revive and Revive Ohio into my place, uh, a site, and it gave me a place to walk into ministry, and it just made so much sense. But, you know, my life was changed forever after uh, those few things that happened in my life. And I seen how there was so many people that needed to know about Christ that I was walking by every day. And it gave me just the urgency to just go out and love on those that don't know Christ and and to be that light unto them. So courtside ministry sometimes follows time to revive cities because the, the people are activated and they're taught and shown how to share the gospel. And they, they have this, energy that's built up in them and they just uh it it can't be shut off you know when when i got involved in this ministry i wanted to do it 24 7 you know i wanted to be that that light to the world you know so courtside ministry gives them a place to do that and it's uh it's just a great transition but it was actually when the rest of the ministry was in Revive Texas. And this was a huge thing that Time to Revive did where they actually went in and poured into 10 regions in Dallas, Texas area, when the state of Texas. Uh, But the Lord spoke to me very clearly and he told me um, no when I prayed about going. So this was a a weird, awkward point in my life because I'd been called called out of my job to go into full-time ministry for this ministry. And then yet the Lord's telling me, no, don't go there. It didn't make sense to me. And I I kept questioning, like, Lord, you called me to this ministry, and now you're telling me not to go serve. It doesn't make sense. But while everybody else was in Revive, Texas, that's when Courtside Ministries came to my town, and then the plan was laid out. 
not saying that it wouldn't have happened if I wouldn't have been there. God could use anybody. Uh, but because of my obedience, I was here in Greenville when Courtside Ministries was laid out to the public, and I wouldn't have been here if I would have just went off to Dallas, Texas, like everybody else uh, had been called to do. Uh, it was a good thing that I was seeking the Lord and asking Him, what do you want from me? That's awesome, Jim. That's that's true, real, uh, raw testimony. And uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about and chat about today, Jim, was you have done a great job in transition as well in leading the local remnant, what we call the remnant, the people that remain, the people that still want to see Revive carry on in Dark County there. You have stepped up into a leadership role there, Jim, as well. And so I'm just thinking about, you know, you guys gather for a monthly outreach for Revive Ohio and continuing on in in Dark County there. And then, you know, that's just not enough, Jim. So the way I see it, um, you know, you're involved in Courtside as well. You get to share the gospel every single week uh, with Courtside. Uh, Can you talk just a little bit about that and confirm or deny that, Jim? Yes, we have a local team here in Dark County that uh, the remnant that wants to pursue this and to keep this going. So it's not just an event. You know, it would be a great event, but that's not our heart. Our heart is to equip everyday people to do the work of the ministry. And that's what uh, I take very seriously, because that's the model that Jesus gave us. So here in Dark County, we still continue to gather as a community, uh, there's many different churches that come together, and it, it's so great that it's not just one particular church that has their name on it. Uh, there's actually many churches that have come on board, and they meet uh, the second Saturday of every month, and we actually meet from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and we start with a little bit of worship, and then we go into a, a moment of prayer because we want to pray and ask the Lord uh, to open up doors for us, to, to give us insight and to um, prepare the soil for what we're about to walk into. Because, you know, that's his job. And isn't it wonderful that we don't have to carry that pressure around? We're called to be seed planters and it's God's job to prepare the soil. So what we do is every every second Saturday of the month is we meet together and we pray And then we actually train every single month. So if there's somebody there that's for the first time, they will actually be trained and matched up with a trained leader who's going to walk through this and teach them on how to do that. And it's so great to see uh, new people come on board. Just this past uh, month, in the month of March, we met together and we had a local businessman that actually came and was trained for the first time. And he was given the tools of the armbands and the Bibles. And he had a great experience so well that he actually asked for uh, extra Bibles and bands to take to his business. And he had an armband and a Bible sitting on his counter at his business. And he had a customer come in that just wasn't really, just seemed like he was really down. And this gentleman asked the the customer, he said, are you okay, Rick? And Rick said, no, not really. He said, me and my wife are split up due to an affair I had. And my life is just garbage right now. And he had picked up the armband, was sitting there twirling on his finger. And because Revive Ohio has trained this businessman on how to share the gospel, he was able to 
lead this man through through the gospel. And uh, this gentleman actually gave his life to the Lord. And when he called his wife to tell her what had just happened, his wife on the other end of the phone said, it's about time. Why don't you come home? And they actually went to church for the first time last Sunday together, all because of Revive Ohio has trained this local businessman to share the gospel in everyday life right there in his business. That's awesome, Jim. That's about as real as it gets. And uh, the businessman didn't have to be a street preacher at all, did he, Jim? No, he didn't. He didn't have to be some, you know, street evangelist. He just needed to be available for the Lord to use him. And that's exactly what the Lord did. And Jim, uh, I really appreciate you sharing with us today. And, and you're a perfect example to me, Jim, of how God just wants to use all of us and to just be the light like you shared, Jim. This is Mark Bird, and you've been listening to Time to Revive here on Shine FM. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Time to Revive. This show has been brought to you by Shine FM and Revive Ohio. More information about this program at shinefmohio.com. We are community-supported Shine FM.